Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You are locked on Pelican. Your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the only daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, available on iTunes, on Audioboom, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I am excited to be with you all here on this Tuesday because basically the Pelican season has officially started. Yeah, they haven't played a game just yet. We're still about 10 or so days away from the first preseason game. But media day was yesterday. We learned a lot about the team. We got to see all of the new signings in their Pelicans uniforms, talking to the media, giving us the insight that we wanted to. And there's a bunch to take away. But this does mean that the countdown to when games matter is officially on. Season has, again, more or less officially started. And I don't think I could be more excited about it. It was awesome. Uh, So today in this edition of Locked on Pelicans, which is brought to you by SeatGeek, we're going to recap Media Day. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the biggest takeaways from it. I'm going to spend the rest of the week breaking down some of the things that were said because, frankly, there is a lot there and a couple of things stood out in particular. So we're going to kind of recap it today, touch on these topics a little bit, and then dive more in depth as the uh, week goes on. Back to five days a week, past two days, last Friday, yesterday, Monday, had some family issues needed to work out, so no podcast from that. But we are back. Everything is good. And I am very excited to be with you as we get rolling towards the start to the Pelican season. So before we go into some of the big takeaways and things that will be storylines over the rest of the season, I do want to mention some personal news here, and that's that I'm no longer going to be writing for BourbonStreetShots.com. And this is a bit bittersweet because I've been there for a while, and I've really enjoyed my time in working with those guys. Uh, and we put out some great content, built that site up, you know, to really be the preeminent area to go for, you know, Pelicans coverage. Uh, but some new opportunities are going to be coming. Keep an eye out. I don't want to go into too much just yet until things are officially announced, Uh, but I will have a new home for my writing and analysis and different things that I can't quite do here on the podcast when I want to dive into some stats and break down some stat packages or break down some plays, something I really enjoy doing when you get just grab a gif of one of those and break down what's going on to really show you how this offense is working and how it's evolving and even on the defensive end as well. So just quick note to that. You'll hear some more on that front in the future. Um, If you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at Nola Jake, you might know a little bit more about it already, but we'll get into that when the time is right. So let's dive right into Media Day and just cut right to it and talk about some of the big storylines that emerged uh, from everyone giving their little press conferences and talking to the media, answering some questions. And the day kicked off with Dell Demps talking to everyone there, followed by Alvin Gentry. And they get those two out of the way because they're kind of on the same page and same team there and different from the players. 
And the interesting thing was a lot of people asked questions about, you know, is there a sense of urgency this year for the Pelicans, particularly with going what's going on in the Western Conference? And trust me, I wanted to vote sometime. I'm not sure when we'll get to it, to the Carmelo Anthony trade and to the, you know, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and the team they're building there. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting thing with that. But that's besides the point. We'll find some time somewhere in this week or next week uh, to go about that. And, you know, so is there a larger sense of urgency this year than years past? And does this team need to get off to a very strong start, avoid, you know, the one in 10 start, the the 0 and 7, 0 and 8 start from, you know, the past two seasons? And Dempson Gentry, as you would expect, to be honest, downplayed it and said it's an 82-game season. You don't need to worry as much about that. You want to look at it as a whole. And, of course, that's what the coach and the general manager are going to say. But I disagree, and I think most fans would disagree, and most in the media would disagree that that's the case. These are two guys who are very much on the hot seat, and this is just a guess and assumption and not based on any inside information or anything like that. But if things go really south to start the year, another one in 10 starts, something like that, you might see, you know, someone else on the Pelican sideline calling the shots by, you know, January or mid-December, potentially by that, you know, Christmas Day game that are always kind of the real start of the regular season that people like to say. I do believe there's a lot of pressure. You know, they the ownership wasn't exactly, you know, given a ringing endorsement of these two when they confirmed him for this season. So if they don't get out to a good start, yeah, I think things might change a little bit. And I don't know if these two have the ability to see this as an 82-game season. The nice thing, though, was when Davis and Cousins and also Rondo and Holiday went up to speak later in the afternoon, all of them said, yeah, we need to get off to a hot start. We need to come out firing. And there is a sense of urgency to this. So the players are aware of it. And one of the things they are doing is using this to create, you know, a real big sense of team, you know, capital T there, uh, or in air quotes or scare quotes, whatever you want to call it. And one thing that jumps right off you know, the page and seeing these guys interact and talking with them is the team chemistry is very strong for a lot of these guys having never played together and this being more or less like a brand new team kind of despite the big three there. And a lot of that has to do with they are feeling the pressure. Cousins wants to get into the playoffs and wants to win. He's never tasted that. He said right now it's all about the W and getting that first and foremost. Davis, who's one of the preeminent players in the league but hasn't had playoff success and has only tasted it once, also wants to get back and make a name for themselves. Rondo, who wants another championship and said only a few teams in the league are capable of winning one, and he believes that's here and what's one of the reasons he came here. That's why Holiday came back. He wanted to win. He felt this is the best chance for him to be able to do that. So all of these guys do feel the pressure, the weight of trying to make the playoffs, getting off to a good start, and also using that to build a sense of chemistry. They're also all kind of relishing this nobody believed in us underdog role and that 
Overall, while the focus is on a team like OKC or Golden State, the Spurs, Houston, and the moves they're making, they are quite confident in their ability to be a powerful team in the Western Conference. Not just the 7 or 8 seed, but Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins both said, get into that top five in the conference and really show everyone that we can go out and play. And I think they also really enjoy that this team is going against the grain, that they are playing two bigs and not playing small and going away from what the trend in the NBA is right now. And they're using all of this as bulletin board, you know, poster board material to try and motivate them, to try and drive them forward to get better every single day. It's a bit of a cliche, yeah, but I like hearing that this team is kind of bonding over, you know, whatever it is. As long as you have a shared experience, a shared goal, which all of these guys do have, you can go out and build something. And team chemistry and all of that is very, very important. One, they're interested in working together. You've seen how much they've all been working out together this offseason. All of this is a very good thing and getting some chemistry, which is what they were lacking uh, after the trade. You know, if you can build that up quicker and get some cohesiveness, it's going to make everything come together quicker, which does help you get off to a good start, which means you're not in a hole to start the year that you're trying to fight out of. So overall, though, Demps and Gentry downplayed it. The players do realize the importance of the good start. They do feel pressure. And I think that's a very good thing for this team, for them to be aware of what's going on and to, you know, not feel complacent and want to go out and get it. There's no excuses. They don't want to make excuses. All that is exactly what you want for a hungry team going into the season, especially one that's going to be considered, you know, a borderline playoff team at best. So with media day starting and the Saints in full swing and saving their season a little bit and the NBA season just right around the corner, you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's definitely a better way, a simpler way to buy. And that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. And with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. You're safe. Don't worry about the money, you know, in a sketchy deal or anything like that. And there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I'm in Champion Square most of the time, hanging out, tailgating before Saints games, and in just two taps, a few taps, I can instantly find seats, get them on my phone, get into the game right in time for uh, kickoff, and at a great price. I used it multiple times last season. I'm going to be using it tons of times for the Saints this season, um, and I'm trying to make it out to LSU for an LSU game this year, and I'm going to use it for that as well. Um, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket. From sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LONBA. That's promo code LONBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase and make sure you get in on the action that you want to see. 
So continuing on with takeaways from media day, the biggest thing that really jumped out to me, and this is, you know, going to impact everything on the court more than a new player or anything else. Well, I think, uh, and we're going to devote eventually a whole podcast to this very topic, but this is something that Alvin Gentry said where he basically came out and in talking over the small forward spot and who might start there, didn't really want to nail this down and give a definitive answer. And part of that's going to be the Pelicans want to remain flexible there. And they're going to kind of decide who's starting and what lineup they want to go with based off of the opponent and trot out the best five-man starting lineup they feel that that situation calls for. So it might be a three-guard lineup, and you might see Drew, Rondo, and each one more out there to start some games. You also might see you know, Drew, Rondo, and Dante Cunningham to start some games. And it's just going to depend on the opponent and the opponent's lineup and players in rotation on what they're going to do here. And I said, you know, I'm not, say, enthusiastic about a three-guard lineup playing in this NBA a ton of the time. Holiday can guard up positions quite well, but he basically is better against bigs uh, that try and post him up due to his size. But with his strength, he can hold his own position, and then he pulls the chair out from underneath them really easily where he just takes a step back while they're in the process of posting up, and they just kind of fall down and make a fool of themselves. That's not easy to do against a small forward who wants to play a face-up game and take you off the dribble, where you're trying to stay in front of some of these bigger, quicker guys who can use their length to get to the rim a whole lot easier over a smaller defender. I'm more worried about that than him guarding you know, power forwards or centers. He might be better there than against small forwards, though certainly against a, a number, at least half, of the starting small forwards in the league. He'll be fine. He might get burned a time or two, but he'll be fine. Um, and you're not going to be too worried about it. And against those top-tier small forwards, I mean, no one can guard them anyway. No one's guarding Durant as is. It's as simple as that. He schooled LeBron James. What more do you want? So, you know, in, I'm not thrilled about a three-guard lineup at times, but there's times when it's certainly going to work. But the big thing that I do like from this is that the Pelicans are going to try and force their will on opponents and adapt to them and put something out that's going to force the opponent to adapt. How long have we seen opponents imposing their will on the Pelicans and what they want to do, and the Pelicans are on the back foot because they've got nothing they can really do to counter it? All of a sudden, against a bigger team, the Pels can go very small and then roll out there with a three-guard lineup that can run and push the pace as well as defend. That's going to cause fits for opponents. Or, hey, they need to go bigger against a smaller team and use their size with Dante Cunningham, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis out there as well. And then Gentry also mentioned, hey, he's going to mix up all the lineups at times. And certainly you're going to see return of that kind of small ball lineup we saw leading up to the All-Star break before the DeMarcus Cousins trade that did so well and seemed like it might save the Pelicans' season. That's where you had Anthony Davis starting at center and then Dante Cunningham playing the power forward position along with Solomon Hill. But since he's out, we can worry about that later. But frankly, they were running. They were playing great defense, scoring at will, bombing threes too. Everything was going well. You're still going to see that at times. But, you know, right now there's no small forward spot nailed down. Maybe training camp and preseason, uh, someone emerges as kind of the go-to just for how they've played and they played so well. It's tough to keep them out of the starting lineup to try and, you know, help the Pelicans in the beginning of games. But frankly, it's all going to be about the finishing five anyway, and that no matter what, sounds like it's going to be based off of what the Pelicans need at the time. They need defense, size, length, or offense. They can go all three different directions. That's flexibility 
and you know adaptability that the Pelicans haven't had before that should give you a lot of hope for this season. But diving into this is going to require its own podcast where we'll break down the pros and cons of each lineup when you think you might see certain lineups and different things like that. And we'll leave that for another day because that's going to leave us plenty to talk about over the course of this season as well. And there's other topics I want to hit in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Another theme for the day actually has to do with Rajon Rondo and it namely just being him. You know, everyone talked about Rondo today. Del Demps, Alvin Gentry... DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Anthony Davis, and in particular, his backcourt mate, Drew Holiday. And if you look at the big picture the Pelicans are putting out at a media day, it's got Davis and Cousins in the middle. You've got Drew on the right side. And then the fourth guy in this picture is Rondo, showing the importance and his role with the team. Uh, And everyone just really talks about him as a floor general and just going to make life easier for the rest of these guys. You know, he was referred to by Davis as a true point guard. I don't think that's meant as a slight to Drew Holiday. Uh, But they want a guy out there that sees the court well, that can get them the ball in the right spots that they've never really quite had before. And they're really, truly seeing that guy being Rajon Rondo. They mentioned his importance uh, to the Bulls in their playoff series against the Celtics this last season where they won two games basically because Rondo was picking that team apart. Uh, And Rondo knows his place. It's to really set these guys up and to help them as best he can. And one of the things that he expressed was he wants to help them get better at breaking down film and that preparation that he's known for. You give him a playbook, he comes in the next day knowing it. You give him an opponent's playbook, he supposedly comes in knowing the weak spots and how to attack it. And all of that is great. And if he can help, you know, bring that over to Davis and Cousins, that is a wonderful thing and tool for this team just to be better prepared. Preparation is an important part of the NBA where you have less practices during the season because there are so many games. Watching film, knowing how to do that in an efficient manner that's going to make you better in every game is certainly a good thing that can only help improve this team. Basically, he's going to be like another coach uh, on this roster and help these guys while also being out on the court and hopefully dishing out tons of assists. Uh, he's got great chemistry along with DeMarcus Cousins. You know, when Cousins was up at the podium speaking, Rondo decided to come on in early, get on up there and try and get this guy to hurry up. And it was interesting because Cousins, who's a bit of an alpha personality, deferred to Rondo and just goes, well, you know, you're the floor general, so I better wrap up here and trust you on what this all is. It's interesting to see just that kind of dynamic play out between these guys because You've got Davis, and everyone knows this is his team, but there is a lot of deferring to Rondo on these off-court things and how things are run, and as we talked about team chemistry in the beginning, these guys are kind of settling into a natural pecking order where people seem to know their roles. You know, everyone's kind of looking at this roster of, you know, with, with Cousins, with uh, Rajon Rondo, and wondering if things might combust if things go wrong. With the way they're just kind of slotting in and knowing their role, I'm less worried about that. You know, even though I've seen these guys on their best behavior since the trade, since the signing, you know, look, it's something you've got to have in the back of your mind. And if you aren't thinking about it or you're just putting out, not assuming it's not going to happen, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. But now, I don't think you need to worry about this as much. I think kind of everyone knows what they're brought in to do. And a lot of that has to do with just, you know, the Rondo effect, I guess you could call it, and the role that he's playing here with this New Orleans Pelicans team. 
So I mentioned also that I do want to talk about the mellow trade and I will get there eventually. But one thing you guys all need to do is tune into the most recent Locked On NBA podcast hosted by David Locke of the Locked On Podcast Network because they are breaking that down from every single angle. And it is being a trade, you know, that brings an all-star to the Western Conference and makes a strong team even better. So this does affect the Pelicans. So make sure you tune in to the most recent Locked On NBA podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Rolling on with more Media Day coverage here on this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Something that surprised me a little bit, and I didn't have time to write an article about it before Media Day due to everything that kind of happened, but... You know, one thing I wanted the Pelicans to come out and say was they've got a plan. They're going into training camp to work on refining it and to focus on execution and not to really figure things out. I know the Solomon Hill injury dealt them a blow, but more or less all the signings were done a while ago and you had an idea of either Dante was going to be back or not. And I was hoping the coaching staff would have a lot of this figured out no matter what by the time we got to training camp so we can focus on execution and just getting ready to play and getting off to that fast start. And it sounds like the Pelicans aren't quite there yet, that they still do need to figure out a number of different things. And this is despite, you know, the team spending a lot of time in Kentucky together, uh, a lot of time in Vegas together, that maybe this shouldn't have been the case and you should be ready to go and hit the ground running in training camp. And I was a little disappointed to not hear these guys say all of that, uh, with Gentry talking about how there's no real starting small forward, though that could be part of the plan. So it's, you know, my personal dissatisfaction here. But one thing that jumped out to me was a little bit interesting. This could be Cousins being Cousins, Boogie being Boogie. Uh, But when asked, I think it was Fletcher Mackle, was, because then things got interesting after, um, asked about Chris Finch and the Denver offense. And Cousins says, one, he doesn't like to be compared to other players. Uh, But two, they hadn't really focused on what they're going to do here yet, rather than trying to compare him to Jokic and this team to Denver in what they're going to run. He thinks they're just going to run the best version of what's best for these guys, and they're going to install an offense or part of an offense uh, through Chris Finch that maximizes the talents on this team. And since this team and these players don't compare directly to others, that you know it's the wrong comparison to make it to that Denver offense, which frankly, is actually a very fair and well thought out and said piece about that. So, you know, I would have liked there to have already kind of been that talk and everything. I can tell you for a fact that Davis and Cousins were working out with Finch in Vegas during summer league. So I think there's more, uh, they're a little bit further along on that than what was led on. And certainly you don't want to ask Cousins about that a second time because he gets upset. Um, but it was interesting to me. It makes it seem like this team, you know, isn't quite as far along or advanced. And I know, again, training camp starts today, this Tuesday. But still, I think you'd like a lot of that to be there. And it's like, okay, let's hit it hard. Let's get going from the get-go here. Um, but also that could be me just wanting some wishful thinking here. When you think about it, they've added a lot of new pieces to this team. And, you know, they do need to kind of gel, get them all on the court at the same time with all of the coaches, which hasn't been the case. 
so it would have been, you know, probably some wish, like I said, wishful thinking on my part here to hear all of that. But hopefully, you know, as we said, the coaches don't think they need to get off onto a fast start, but the players do. And this kind of rounds back to that. And this is how we're going to wrap up the podcast. Got a nice, neat, complete circle here where, you know, you would have liked them to have seen that. But I think it just kind of fits in that, again, new guys, you got to get all of this going. You know, they're looking at this as a long process, an 82-game season for the coaches, but the players want to get out there and they really want to hit it hard. And I think that's why you saw them working out together so much uh, this offseason and this summer, whether it was in Kentucky, Vegas, or wherever. But that gives you a lot of hope that the players are really buying in and taking a lot uh, on this for themselves. So I'm going to wrap up the takeaways from media day there, because like I said, there, there's a lot more we can go into, but I want to have some content later in the week, make my life a little bit easier here. Cause I haven't even touched on Ian Clark on Tony Allen. We didn't dive into really what drew holiday said about everything. And we will cover all of that. But like I said, these are the biggest storylines that I kind of took away with the biggest being that maybe rotating small forward spot though. We'll see if that's actually going to be the case once the season starts. But certainly, basketball is back in the Crescent City here, and I could not be more excited about it. Stay tuned the rest of this week here on Locked On Pelicans as I'm going to break down everything you need to know. We did positional previews last week. We're going to dive into more of the nitty-gritty this week, uh, talk about some of these player roles. Like I said, Tony Allen and Ian Clark are going to be very interesting to see how they fit into this team and what they're here to do. Um, But certainly, there's a lot going on. It's an exciting time. We're going to hear more from training camp uh, over this next week, and we are coming right up on this first preseason game uh, sooner than you think. So get ready because we get basketball all the time right now. I was going to say maybe the Saints, you know, we're going to be out of everything, but I think everyone's agreeing probably prematurely, should I say that, that they might have saved their season with that Carolina win. Um, But, hey, basketball, let's focus on that. So like I said, thank you all for listening today. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I will be back with you all tomorrow. 